there is a lot of talk about growing into holiness. However, the Bible never says that we grow into holiness, but rather that we grow in holiness. We're not looking for a corrupt tree to grow into an incorrupt one. We're looking for God to cleanse and change the corrupt tree into an incorrupt through the stroke of the Holy Ghost. After God has made us holy in a moment, we can then properly grow in holiness. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you can't uh, listen to that locally. You can listen to it online, or if you missed one of these radio programs, you can look at a broadcast afterwards. Uh, just look for God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube and Gab TV, every Sunday at 9 a.m. where I'll upload these, and you'll find other content on there or previous content as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com. That's our, our website and central hub. And you can link to Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. Uh, right now, we're meeting inside of homes Sunday mornings, Wednesday night. If that's something that interests you, then I want you to contact me. We won't be back out in the public square in Wilkes-Barre until the springtime at some point, and I'll let you know that. Uh, but for now, if you would like to get in contact with somebody, you need someone to worship with, you want to meet with somebody, you want to study the Bible together, you pray, call us, contact us. And you can do that by emailing us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or giving us a call or text at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We are continuing our study of holiness using the book uh, from Leslie Wilcox called Be Ye Holy. And this morning, we are going to be looking at holiness as an instantaneous work of grace. Holiness as, holiness as an instantaneous work of grace. So we've gone through a lot of different things through here. Um, and just more recently, seeing that entire sanctification, which comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or entirely. We're, we've seen that entire sanctification, holiness, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, these are all synonymous. And it is evident that this matter uh, is done by an instantaneous work of grace. Even as we've gone through uh, different of those it doesn't, there's nothing that speaks of a gradual entrance into that experience. Today, and it's not just today, it's been going on for quite some time, but there's a lot of cries of people, uh, in Christendom especially, many are the cries of the gradual nature of holiness. If this is so, then we must explain through the scriptures, how the disciples were gradually baptized with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. If that's true, that 
uh, holiness, we grow into it, this gradual nature of getting there, then we must explain how the Samaritans were gradually baptized in one single moment. If it's true of this gradual nature of holiness growing into it, then we have to also describe how that Cornelius and his household were gradually baptized in the Holy Ghost in one single moment. We would also have to describe how the Ephesians, when Paul came asking if they had received the Holy Ghost since they believed, gradually grew into the baptism of the Holy Ghost they received right then and there with Paul present. So through these things that we've just talked about even right now and pairing together some of these synonymous terms in the various different places in Scripture, it's safe to say that the Bible nowhere teaches that we are gradually baptized by the Holy Ghost or that we gradually have our hearts purified by faith. You would say, brother, that seems quite bold. There's all these things about growing in grace and all that. And, and, and I want to explain that in a second. But remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 15, verse 8. He, speaking of Cornelius, he said, the same thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost happened to Cornelius' house and to the people that when I was there, and he was relaying this to the Jerusalem church. Peter said, what happened to the apostles and those 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost was that their hearts were, so that's past tense, purified, E-D at the end of the word, past tense, by faith. So on the day of Pentecost, their hearts were at that moment instantaneously purified by faith. That is what Peter his testimony was to the Jerusalem council and speaking about their experience they received there and Cornelius also in his household experiencing the same. It was an instantaneous moment of time where they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Their hearts were purified by faith. Now, and I, I may relay this several times as we go through this because I know that this, this is going to get grossly misunderstood just because of some watchwords uh, in some teaching that we've had for a long time. I do want to say this also. Um, I, I just saw, I, I, I heard about this um, before. I haven't seen this film, but it, it applies very readily. Um, I want to say the guy's name is Bobby Fisher. He was a uh, chess player, a prodigy chess player. And his mentor was trying to teach him how to win a game or, or get checkmate in four moves. And there was everything all set up on a board there. And Bobby Fisher kept saying, I can't do that. I can't do that. And the man says, yes, you can. And he proceeds to wipe all of the game pieces off of the board and then asks him to visualize such and such a thing or, or you know, going so many moves ahead. And I may not have this completely accurate, but what I'm trying to get at through this illustration is when we are told certain words and definitions of what they mean, and I'm not talking about us going into the scripture and trying to define and pull it there, but with certain systems of theology and thought, when we're told how these things work and how everything fits in the framework, then it's hard for us at that moment to see our way through something. Whereas if we pull and, and kind of knock all the terms out of the way and move that out, now I'm saying this as I'm going to be re relaying terms to you as we're going through this, but I'm just saying for us to be able to think through some things, sometimes we have to take what we know, push it off to the side and look with like fresh eyes, so to speak. So I am not at this moment saying that an instantaneous moment uh, in time where our heart was purified by faith through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as Peter said, 
means that it's something that was once and for all done back there, and now we just coast on until we get to heaven. It was an entrance into an experience of holiness and an experience of the fullness of the Spirit that you can point back to, that Peter could point back to, that happened in a moment of time, that you could say all these other things were happening at the same time. It's just like, you know, you could remember when the Twin Towers fell um, in New York City years ago. What, what What were you doing during that day? You can remember, well, I was at this place, this was happening, and these were the people I was around because we make association there because of one definite thing that took place. It's the same with this experience. There was one definite time where Peter and the apostles and the 120 in the upper room entered this experience uh, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost where their hearts were purified by faith. Their hearts were purified in one single moment of time. There was no gradualness of entering into this, but by faith, Peter said, just the same as we are saved by faith, saved by grace through faith, we can be cleansed of that carnal bent, we can be cleansed of that indwelling sin in one single moment, according to what we find in the scripture. However, and I said this in the beginning, a lot of people would will point to the different verses of growth uh, that we have to look at and say, brother, you are going against what the scripture says. The Bible never says that we grow into holiness or grow into grace. The Bible says that we grow in holiness, we grow in grace, which means that we've already entered into grace, we've already entered into holiness, and because of that, then grow in what we are already planted in. It is the same with the doctrine of holiness, entire sanctification of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do not grow into the baptism of the Spirit. We receive the baptism of the Spirit, and from that point forward, after that cleansing of that carnal bent is out of the heart, we then grow in where where we are planted. I hope that that makes um, makes things understood as we go forward, because I'm not saying that we've uh, we enter a place, we arrive there, and we coast on. Not so. Well, let's get into this a little bit more so that I'm not stuck off in the weeds here. The Greek tense is something that helps us to understand this. Now, this is not the end all be all, but this is very helpful to note. I do want to say before we go into the Greek tense of some of these words describing this experience of baptism of the Holy Ghost, anyone who's listening, no matter if you're a Greek scholar or not, I'm not a Greek scholar, but no matter if you are or not, you can uh, get online eSword, I don't know if it's .org or .com, just put it in a Google search. You can download the program, you can get, and I cannot, Roberts Robertson's Morphological something concordance or codes. I can't remember what it's called. RMAC. You can download a tool that you can use inside of this program, eSword, and it will bring up the words of the Bible and it will tell you their parts of speech and there's codes there. And then this will decode it and tell you what it means. So any one of you that are listening to this can check this out for yourself and not just take my word for it. In fact, you should check it out yourself. The Greek tense Uh, used in these passages that speak about the baptism of the Holy Ghost are confirming evidence of what I'm talking about in this instantaneous way. So the Greek New Testament regularly uses a tense called the aorist in describing the experience of entire sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, purified by faith, uses the Greek aorist tense describing it. The Greek as a language has two past tenses. One of them is called the imperfect tense, 
And that is an action in process or as continuing over a period of time. So that would have been in Greek language and understanding. If things were used in that kind of a tense, you would understand that it's something, it's an action that is a process or continues over a period of time. That is in the past tense, the imperfect past tense. Also, there is the aorist past tense. Now, that does not have the same limitation in meaning as the imperfect tense does, and so is usually used to describe a simple event. An example of this would be if we were to look in Mark 5, 12 through 13, I'm going to overemphasize certain words. And when you hear the overemphasis, I want you to understand that those are in the aorist tense, and then you'll understand the context of what I'm talking about. And all the devils besought him, so something that simply happened in the past, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Excuse me, enter, I may have messed that one up. Yes, not enter, that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. So you find several different words here in the aorist tense, talk about something definite that happened in the past and it's not continuing anymore. It happened and it's all done. It happened. That, that helps us just to see it in regular language. So the aorist tense is regularly used for events which take place instantaneously and not over an extended period of time. A very uh, prominent Methodist theologian from Boston University years ago, Boston University is unfortunately not the same as it was, His name is Daniel Steele. He said this, when we come to consider the work of purification in the believer's soul by the power of the Holy Spirit, both in the new birth and in entire sanctification, we find that the aorist is almost uniformly used. This tense, according to the best New Testament grammarians, by the way, he would reference people like Alfred who would be diametrically opposed to many of the things Daniel Steele would hold to as far as certain doctrinal positions. So he's not using a man who's biased. He said, this tense, according to the best New Testament grammarians, never indicates a continuous, habitual, or repeated act, but one which is momentary and done once for all. Now, remember, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost entering into that experience. So uh, the aorist indicative Uh, says Goodwin, a scholar uh, of yesteryear, expresses the simple momentary occurrence of an action in past time, just as I wrote. It happened back there. I wrote. Okay, says Weiner, uh, another scholar. Nowhere in the New Testament does the aorist express what is want to be, something that still yet needs to happen. It hasn't been completed. The aorist, says Meyer, another commentator, which you can find through this esword, you can find a lot of these people already there for free, does not anywhere in the New Testament express a habit. So that is good for us to know. Something that happened back in the past, once and for all done, does not express something that needs yet to be done or something that is a habit, a continual something, uh, though the effects of it are continuous. The, the act of it is not continuous. So that is the aorist tense helping us to understand 
uh, some of the language and the grammar around entering into that experience. So I know that takes a little bit more digging when we're looking into something like Greek grammar and tenses, but that is somewhat important for us to understand. Um, There are a lot of efforts, it appears to be, in modern day, and I'm not trying to trash every translation that's out there, um, but it appears to be, as you compare King James' translation to a lot of the newer ones that have come out, they start changing a lot of the language, which I can fully understand because the vernacular of Elizabethan English and the vernacular of present-day English and even American English are a lot different. So their words that meant a certain thing back in the time of 1611 don't mean the same thing now. So I'm not entirely discounting that. However, uh, I remember A.W. Tozer said something to the effect of um, trying to use these newer, uh, illis- or excuse me, these newer translations is like trying to shave with a banana. He was saying the the bluntness, the frankness of it, the incisiveness of the word has been pulled back a lot. And so it is important for us to realize we are thankful for our English translations, but the inspired word of God we believe to be inerrant in its original languages. Uh, I, I think that generally throughout Christendom, that is the understanding unless you are of the opinion where you believe the King James Bible in and of itself is the word of God, uh, which is borderline heretical. And I'm not saying the King James Bible cannot be trusted as the word of God. I'm saying that uh, a lot of people think the King James Bible is the only inspired word of God. Therefore, if you were in, uh, say, Korea, China, or any other nation in the earth, they would somehow have to learn English and know the King James Bible in order to be able to truly receive the word of God. And I do not believe that is an accurate statement. Uh, so we have to be careful there. Uh, however, I do use the King James Bible myself, and I believe the King James Bible to be a very reliable and accurate translation. All that being said, we looked at some of the Greek back there because if we look in the Greek, we're going to understand some of the nuances of those words that can sometimes be lost in English translation. And we didn't even understand nuance so much as just bare grammar. But now let's go to a little bit easier of a place to understand. It's a gift of God, uh, this experience of baptism of the Holy Ghost, entire sanctification or holiness, and it is bestowed or given by his power. And it's not the result of a process of growth or development. Growth or development is the natural course of being alive. Um, We can't necessarily make ourselves grow. We can certainly do things that are aiding ourselves in growing. So we eat healthy, you know, we, uh, we can exercise, we can do all those kind of things. But the principle of life being in us, unless there's a disease, we will naturally grow. However, we're not growing into holiness because there is a disease problem inside of our soul. There is a, a depravity that has taken place since the fall on all of mankind that has affected every faculty and part of our being that we are not quite as we could be. That doesn't mean that we have zero choice or zero power to do anything. With cooperation of the Holy Spirit, we can move forward in the commands of God. In other words, God is asking us to do something. We can take steps forward and do that as we cooperate with him. So we find that this gift is bestowed or given by his power, not the result of process of growth or development, through inspired prayers uh, that were treated as a gift of God. So again, I'm going to enunciate certain words 
so that you realize here's the aorus tense as we previously were speaking about. John 17, 17 says, Jesus says, sanctify. So sanctify is the aorist. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. He's not saying continually sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Here the Greek aorist tense is sanctify them once and for all through thy truth, thy word is truth. So that's something that happened in the past, a one and done. And when I say one and done, again, I have to say it over again. I do not mean that we have some static Christian life and there is no room for growth. I do not mean that at all. I just mean to say there is a definite entrance into this experience. Now, John 17 through 19, uh, the same Daniel Steele, the Methodist theologian from uh, Boston University over 100 years ago, he said, sanctify is in the aorist imperative. And he says, sanctify them once for all through thy truth. That is the essence and understanding of that tense and trying to pull that over into our English language for more helpful understanding. First Thessalonians 5.23, we read, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that could be read this way. And the very God of peace once for all sanctify you holy. So there's a definite entrance into that experience and your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. Uh, and, and that word preserved is the initial aorist to mark the beginning in the heart of the power that's then going to keep the believer. So there's a definite beginning and then that power will then keep. So the effects of it will, will go on. The entrance is a once and for all instantaneous occurrence and the effects of it will continue on from there on out. The nicety of Paul's grammatical knowledge uh, is seen in verse 25, where he says, brethren, pray, that's present continual. Brethren, pray for us. Then greet is in the aorist tense, all the brethren with a holy kiss. So he's saying here, the praying was to be something continuous and ongoing. The kissing was something that had taken place. It was a momentary thing. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Very definite, bam, it happened in a space of time and then it's over with. So here we find that in common language. <clears throat> Sanctify you holy is, may God do something for you in an instantaneous moment of time and the effects of that will then preserve and keep you uh, in body and soul and, and spirit as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, there are some promises that declare the fact that God will bestow it and it's not part of a growth process to enter into this experience that is. So here's a promise, Luke eleven thirteen. By the way, uh, this is not necessarily exhaustive, but these are very plain. And I think that it's helpful for us to use, I think the uh, hermeneutical principle is when you are building doctrine, you're not to just build it off of a bunch of obscure things, but to take the clearest things and to examine it and look at those. So that's what we're trying to do so as to see it without trying to wrestle or twist things out of what is really there in front of our face. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? So there's a promise. The giving is a definite giving that happens instantaneously at a moment of time. He gives the gift. Now, 
I know there's the phrase that we have in our present day, the gift that keeps on giving. Well, the Holy Ghost, if he indwells in the believer's heart uh, in his fullness and even before that is the gift that keeps on giving, no doubt. The effects of his, inner, his, his indwelling are continually throughout our life as we abide in him. However, the gift, the transaction is a definite moment in time where it has taken place. So there's a promise. There's nothing said here about growth, but that the heavenly father gives the gift of the Holy Ghost at a moment of time to those that ask him. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this is, or 5.24, excuse me, it, here's the promise. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. A definite moment in time. That is applying to the, the verse right before 5.23 where it talks about the very God of peace sanctifying you holy. He's saying, may God do that. And then here is a promise that you can hold on to that it will in fact be done. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You can expect a definite instantaneous moment in time where you enter in to that experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, entire sanctification or purified heart by faith. There is a definite moment of time. There is a definite entrance. That is the teaching of the scripture. That is what we find. Um, the scriptures which speak of the gift of the Holy Ghost plainly tell of a time uh, when the gift was received. So likewise, with the terms baptize, came on, poured out, etc. We went through some of those in previous lessons, all of which describe an event received at a particular moment. I cannot stress that enough. It is a particular moment. We don't grow in to, from being a sinner into a saint. There is a transaction that takes place. At one point, I am a sinner. Another point, I repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then I am born again. That is a moment in time. It's the same thing um, when you think about regular birth. There is pains and stuff going inside of the womb of a lady where uh, there's like a, a process that happens before, but there is a definite time where the baby is born. And so there is a definite time when a believer is baptized with the Holy Ghost, sanctified, holy, and purified by faith. So the record of Pentecost tells us of an instantaneous event. As mentioned in the introduction here, the similar experiences occurring in the lives of the Samaritans, the Ephesians, and the household of Cornelius all have the same instantaneous character. So the symbols chosen to represent this experience all point to an instantaneous experience. So some of the symbols used about, about the baptism of the Holy Ghost is baptism. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And he's speaking this to already saved people. <clears throat> this baptism at this point, I can't say that this is necessarily just the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe this to be talking about uh, the entire picture of salvation. So when we're saved, our old man is buried in baptism with Christ and we're raised to new life and then we live this new life out. But it's a once and for all death. This more specifically, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here we find it speaking of death. Death is an instantaneous moment in time, a, 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 a specific thing that happens that we can point to. Uh, also, we, we read about the sealing. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ 
and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. So sealed is a once and for all moment of time. Baptism, sealed, death, crucified. We read words like that. There is a moment in time where these things happen. And that is the same when we are thinking about the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is an instantaneous moment where it takes place. So dear listener, believer, have you entered into this experience? Has there been a definite moment in time where you know that you have been baptized with the Spirit of God, where your heart has been cleansed from inbred sin, where you have received that sanctifying work, the purifying of the heart by faith? Is there a definite moment in time where that has taken place? If not, you can know that and it can happen to you. And the, the sign of it is not... Um, speaking in tongues or some kind of gibberish kind of a language. It is a very real transaction that radically transforms the believer. And you can find throughout Christendom many different people who can testify to this happening in many different doctrinal camps. So your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. And then we can uh, talk together. We can go get a coffee. You can come and we'll do a Bible study together or meet up. Make sure to like and follow us on our social media accounts, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Gab, Gab TV, uh, our podcast for more teaching. Tell your friends about our podcast, social media, and this broadcast. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission to the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.